Hey guys, thanks for joining me for another episode of Real Live Talk. I'm pumped that you're here to check out this conversation. My name is Duke Lamastra. I'm your host. And for this one, I invited Pastor Britt Mooney to come back on the show. He was just here a couple of weeks ago. We had a really great conversation that centered around building community, doing life with people, and practical ways to disciple people in daily life. It's really good. I think you should go back and check it out. But we didn't get into any of the stuff that I had originally invited Britt on to talk about. And so in this episode, we did that. We went after uh, the business that Britt Mooney is a part of called Phoenix Coffee Roasters. They are a coffee company, and they're really interested in providing the best coffee, top-notch, high-quality coffee. They have a patented technology for uh, producing the coffee that they that they have. It's really a God story of his grace and his favor upon that business. I think it's going to encourage a lot of people that are entrepreneurial and uh, maybe have a, a desire to go after something, whether it's a business or a ministry or whatever it might be. But we also get into the kingdom nature with which Britt and his business partners go after the business. They are very interested in bettering the lives of people, not just here where they sell the coffee, but where the coffee is sourced and in ethical farming practices. And Britt uses a terminology called redemptive trade that we'll get into as we go forward here. But it's a really, really cool story. It's uh, I believe that they are demonstrating the kingdom of Jesus Christ here on the earth um, through the way that they are conducting business and doing business and not just going after the normal way that business is done, which unfortunately so often takes advantage of people. And I think that it's really, really cool. I think this conversation is going to bless you in many different ways. I pray that it does. And uh, now let's go ahead and jump into it. Thanks again so much for listening. Three, two, one. Britt Mooney, ladies and gentlemen. Britt, thanks for coming back on the show, man. It's great to see you. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. We uh, we've 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 had a good week or two. It's only been like two weeks, man. I mean, here we are again. Yes, I'm, I've been pretty I, excited about it. So I could not get enough of Britt Mooney. <laughs> I had to have you back, man. Uh, <laughs> but last time, yeah, you came on the show just a couple weeks ago. And um, I, I don't usually have much of a roadmap as far as the conversation, but I did have some specific things that I was interested in talking to you about in terms of your life and and your background and what you do in ministry and business and all of that. And okay. uh, we ended up having a really good conversation about I uh, talked about discipleship and just like practical discipleship in everyday life, living with people, doing life with people, building community. It's yeah. a really fun conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah. I would encourage everyone to go back and check that out. And I don't know, it's like episode 70 or 71, maybe it was just a couple of weeks back. I don't remember what number it was, but, but yeah, man. So uh, I'm excited. You, you got, uh, you got some coffee or something with you. You re- ready, just to, tea ready right now? Just tea. Yeah. I've already had, <laughs> I, I try not to have too much coffee. It's really uh-huh. easy for me to have a lot of coffee as you can imagine, because I don't really pay for it and it's amazing. So, so, but you know, I try not to have it like too far into the afternoon. So mm-hmm. today I figured I'd switch to some tea. How about you? It's great, man. Well, I've got a very, I've got my coffee here, okay. but um, it's, it's almost gone. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't refresh my cup. I did it. I did another podcast uh, just a, a little bit ago with, okay. with Paul 
We did yeah. the we did oh, the Men man. at the Movies podcast, and we talked about Eternals, the Marvel movie. Right. And so that was just a little bit ago. I had my my coffee for that, and I didn't uh, I, I didn't get any more because I ran out of time. But <laughs> but yeah, man, that was that was fun. I, I like what I like what he's doing over there. Well, you you do most of the episodes with him, right? Yeah, at least and half. Just yeah. Reviewing movies, it it was cool. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's fun. I dig it. Do, how much do you do you really love coffee? So. Do you like black coffee? I do. I, I like our black coffee. So okay. my original foray into coffee was basically the very common college issue of I, I got to stay awake somehow. And, you know, Coke and stuff like that was, you know, kind of bad for you. And at least a lot of it. So anyway, so I, I started doing coffee and staying out late at Waffle House and stuff like that, hanging mm. out with people. But it was the, you know, the normal, I drowned it in cream and sugar and just, you know, did it. And and then when, when I got married, Becca was really into coffee and she was more into Starbucks and that sort of level of quality. Mm-hmm. And so we'd go to Starbucks and we'd go to the coffee shops and I, you know, so I got a little bit more into it then, but it was still like, I'd get the mocha, like, you know, it's hard to mess up a mocha, right? I mean, like you drown it again, it's like cream and sugar and you chocolate, chocolate and in like, it. Yeah. It's, and yeah. it's like, okay, now that here's some coffee to go along with it. And it really wasn't until, uh, we were here back in America and we got involved with you know, the church that had the coffee business, uh, that we can talk about. And, and I, re- and I had really good coffee, mm-hmm. just really good coffee. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I can drink this black. Like I, I don't need, doesn't need cream or sugar. I mean, if you like it that way, I mean, you can still do it, but yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's so good that, that I can just drink it black. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. So most of the time I do, I drink it black and so if it's if it's not good coffee, then I it's hard for me to drink it. But like I've I've gotten so spoiled, but you know, I'm not necessarily a foodie. Like my my wife is like she's a connoisseur. She's like you know oh, yeah. oh this this has notes of green pepper and yeah, tomato <laughs> and I'm like ah, it just tastes really good to me. But um but then so like we were at this conference this past week or I was for the first couple of days and I was staying with Paul. Uh, I stayed with him. It was in Charlotte and, cool. but I was, the conference was a little bit further away and in, into Charlotte. But so I, at Paul's house, I brought some of our coffee, Phoenix Roasters coffee, you know, and, uh, you know, a little branding going on here. And then we, shameless, um, plug. shameless. But, but we're going to talk all about yeah. it anyway. So, and then, yeah. uh, but then when I, when I got to the conference, like they had the free coffee there and like, man, I did it once and tasted it black just because that's what I normally do. And I went, mm-hmm. oh, I can't do this black. This is too, this is awful. Well, Hotel conference coffee. Yeah, bro. Um, and that's one of the things that has really helped us is that as we do coffee, as our coffee company does coffee for Catalyst and Orange, and we do for some of these bigger Christian conferences, like people are, people are surprised because like most of the time at these conferences, you know, you're fueling the conference yeah. with coffee and they're just, they're ready to drown it in cream and sugar. And you're like, just have it black. And people are like, this is actually really good coffee. Like it's, it's so surprising to them that a conference would have 
a, in bulk, you know, like to serve everybody would have really good coffee. Um, but you know, that's kind of part of our, part of our branding, right. It's like, you know, it's, yeah. we, we should have high quality and high standards for what we do as Christians, you know, yeah. um, God does. And, and so, so do we, so that's, yeah. so, anyway, that's my coffee story. No, it's cool, man. I, I, I ask because, you know, I say I like coffee, but I, I don't drink it. I won't drink it unless it's got some creamer in it or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like that's cheating. Um, so, you know, I don't really know how to, where to put all that. I used to drink it black. I used to try to drink it black. And then I just realized like, I love myself more than, than to subject myself to this, but I haven't tried your coffee yet. So maybe I need to try. No, that's going to happen. Uh, I'm sure. I'm going to yeah. try, try some Phoenix roasters coffee and, uh, and we'll go from there. But yeah, man, do you do, do you do French press or do you do just whatever? Right now we just do a regular coffee maker, mm -hmm. um, well, mainly because we don't have time to do the French press in the morning, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I, we try not to have coffee in the evening because then I'll be, it I'm wires be up you all up. night. Mm -hmm. I'll go to sleep and then I'll be up at two and won't be able to go back to sleep. That's usually what happens. If I have coffee in the afternoon through the evening with caffeine or just caffeine in general, caffeine has a half-life. I don't know if you know this. This is totally like off subject but caffeine has a half-life so so it'll it comes back in a couple hours so it, like you'll get the rush you'll get the rush of the caffeine and then you'll kind of crash but then it'll come back not as big as before but it'll so so yeah so coffee wakes wakes me up at like two or three in the morning depending on when i go to bed but um if i if i have it too late in the in the day wow man i <laughs> did not know that that's crazy I don't think it doesn't really affect me like that. For some reason, caffeine doesn't really have bro. I one time went to Starbucks and I asked for six shots of espresso. Oh my God. In a coffee cup. And I just drank it as a black cup of coffee. And it was just straight espresso. Wow. And it, that was at nighttime. And a couple hours later, I went home and went to bed fine like no problems wow <laughs> so i don't even know it just doesn't seem to affect me one time i went on a long drive and i took like three nodos those like caffeine pills all oh, right um and i just and nothing like i was still exhausted <laughs> i had like a five hour drive and i was leaving at midnight and i was like all right let me try i've never i'd never taken them before or since but they didn't even it didn't even seem like it had any effect on me whatsoever well so i don't know this is kind of an odd question but are you adhd I yeah. don't Do you have any of so. that. Okay. <laughs> no. Well, that because a lot of people don't realize like the medicine they give children who have ADHD is our actual stimulants, but because of their brain chemistry, it actually calms them down. It has the adverse effect. So mm. for some people, caffeine, even though it's a stimulant, will have the adverse effect based on their everybody's different, man. You know, yeah. everybody's a little yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's crazy. But yeah, I, I got into the French press thing when I was in college because mm -hmm. we would have those late night study sessions and it just it it's just a good way to make strong coffee, you know? It is, yeah. But I haven't had it in years actually. It's you yeah, know, I do the K cups. But anyway, I digress on that. But yeah, man, let me just mention real quick that that Brit is a pastor and church planter, former missionary. And uh, also businessman and entrepreneur and author, podcast host, host of the Kingdom Over Coffee podcast. So obviously, coffee is a big part of uh, of Brit's life. Uh, how did this start, man? T talk a little bit about Phoenix Roasters and how it started and uh, just kind of what your journey's been with all of this. Yeah. So 
the story of Phoenix Roasters starts with the the church, the Phoenix Community of Swanee, and and it started with Brian Holland, and he was a youth pastor at a very large church here in the metro Atlanta area, and they had this time every week. I think it was like Thursday at eleven, but they had this time every week where the the poor and the people who are in need in the community could come to the church. They come to the lot to the, the office area lobby and they would basically ask for money for stuff that they needed to pay a bill mm. or groceries or what, you know, whatever it was, rent or something. Right. And Brian called it the benevolence hour. It didn't have an official name, but he called it the benevolence hour. And he was walking through the lobby of one of those Thursdays at 11 or around that time. And he had a random thought. And the random thought was, I wonder why we see the same people every week on Thursday at 11, but we never see them in church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why is that? He's just kind of wondering in his brain. And God answered him. God took that as a opportunity to answer him. And God said, because you can't afford them. And Brian was like, well, this is is a big church. And Brian's like, I know what our budget is. I know what our finances are. What do you mean? You know, and and God said, "You, you, you don't have the time and relationship margin that it takes to see somebody come from poor and marginalized to see their life transformed wow. into something else. Wow. And so Brian started doing some math in his brain and he was like, well, how much time did Jesus spend with the 12 disciples? How much time did he spend with mm-hmm. this small group of men? And, you know, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but, you know, he did the numbers of three years and, you know, 12 hours a day and yada, yada, yada. And, came up with this number and they said, well, what would a rock star Christian in my church look like? Well, they would go to church a couple hours a week and they would do their quiet time devotional for 15 minutes a day. Yeah. And then they, those would be the rock stars. You'd put them on the elder board. Like these are like the real, those are the real, he said, but it would take them like a hundred years to get to the same amount of time with Jesus that these 12 disciples did. Wow. And so he started just, God started kind of rocking his world and his brain about what would a ministry have to look like? What would a church have to look like that welcomed the poor and the marginalized from our community and was also the right sort of context that would help them to be transformed Hmm. and discipled? And so, you know, it looked like small churches, less programming, uh, more relationship, more time together, living more life together and all that stuff. A lot of that, a lot of that stuff that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And so he's his, so his first idea. So he really felt like God wanted to plant a church like this. And he first tried to do it within the sort of context of the bigger church, like kind of like a, not a small group, but like a kind of like a subhead church or whatever, like, we're going to be a church, but we're going to meet in like this cool building. But, and, you know, they talked about and prayed about it with the, you know, with the head pastor for a while. And he was ultimately told no. And so he felt God mm. say, go ahead and go plant your church, you know, go, go plant this church. And so he did. And, 
you know, a lot of, you know, there's a lot within that. As you know, as a pastor, like that's not a simple thing, right? There's a lot of conversations and things that had to happen along the way. And, um, and, uh, and it was a big decision because if you think about it, you know, like there's very little job security in trying to kind of deal with people who have these crises, people whose life lives are in crisis. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's why, that's why people, that's why a lot of churches don't actively seek them out and actively have the sort of culture that necessarily welcomes them because they take up a lot of time and resources, but they don't give a lot. Right. Hmm. Um, because the poor widow, even if she gives everything she's got, it's two pennies. Right. I mean, that's not, that's not paying anybody's salary. So, um, so it was a big decision, right? I mean, like there was, you know, his wife had to go get a full-time job so they could have insurance. And like, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a big decision, but you know, he and his wife, uh, Jenny, uh, both felt this was really the call of God. And this is what they're supposed to do. So they, they did it, started the church, brought on a pastor or two, uh, to kind of help him because, you know, when you've got your whole church, even if it's 50 or 60 people, when you've got your whole church who are in crisis mode and uh, this just takes a lot of time and energy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then the recession hit in 2008. So the church required some outside support from people who weren't in the church, just money wise to kind of continue. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said before, because of, you know, and, and by the way, these are the people that Jesus intentionally sought out. Right. Jesus intention. Jesus didn't show up intentionally at the palaces and the homes of the rich. Like he went out to where people were broken and hurting and were marginalized. Um, and I said this the other day, you know, maybe when he was 12, but when he's an adult, there's, there's no record of him going past the outer court. There's no record of him going into the inner court or definitely not into like, like wow. here he was the son of God, but he hung mm-hmm. out with in the place where the lame and the women and the Gentiles and, and anybody could have access to him. That's where he hung out when he mm. taught in the temple. I think that's very important. But uh, so he went out. These are the people he intentionally went out to talk to. Now, he did invite himself over and he was invited um, to um, to eat with the Pharisees and some of those guys. But all that to say is that, that these are the people that Jesus intentionally sought out when he, yeah. when, when he decided I'm going to start a revolution, like you'd think, well, he'd start with Herod, like he, or Caesar, or maybe he'd, no, he started with the lowest. He mm-hmm. started with an yeah. hour. And he even said, yeah. uh, he even said that the tax collector and the prostitute are going to enter the kingdom of God before any of you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and, and it, it's not, and it's because God starts with the poor. God starts with those who have, who are misfits. That's who God likes. And, and because basically it, it proves he's the one who did it. That's why, because like, right. if you go to Herod, and he decides to make a law and now everybody's got to follow God the way he wants. Right. I mean, like it's, it, that seems that doesn't, that's, you could easily say I did that instead of sure. Instead of God did it. So, but we lost a lot of that outside support in 2008. 
during the recession, the largest recession since, you know, the Great Depression from, you know, 1929. And, and then we had to make a decision, right? Are we going to close doors? What are we going to do? And because we weren't, nobody was getting paid much of anything, right? Um, and, and, and that put a lot of stress on families and all that sort of stuff, as you can sure. imagine. And so they said, and so as they're praying about it, God was, God was saying, well, why don't you start a business start a business that would help pay for the, you know, the cost of ministry basically. And which again, that is, that's already a crazy sort of idea. Like, okay, I know it's like the biggest recession since the great depression. So start a business. Yeah. Um, why don't you start a business during this financially hard, difficult time? And uh, so, and then they just thought and prayed about it. And what are we going to do? What kind of business will it be? And they had all these different ideas, but they wanted it to be something relational. They wanted it to be something that brought people together. And they decided on coffee, even though you know, there's other things. Uh, they just decided on coffee because they loved coffee, but they didn't know a lot about it. And so they just kind of got into it step by step. And so they started Phoenix Roasters um, and uh, just step by step got a just miraculously got a coffee roaster so that we could roast our own beans because at first we were just mm. getting beans from like jittery joes and repackaging them and there's like no money in that <laughs> um and then i mean they were we were getting them wholesale or whatever but still like there's just no margin and so we're like well we got to get our own roaster but that takes money and so it's just god supernaturally provided that mm. uh, at one point and um, and so just one step after another, God opened doors and, and that's been our story, man. Our story has yeah. been, uh, just say, you know, the book that I wrote, say yes, uh, based on the story of, uh, the church and the coffee company has been, you know, when you say yes, God, God takes responsibility. When you say yes to God yeah, for what he's asking yeah. you to do. It's not up to you to do it. Like you're saying yes and you're participating, but he's the one that's going to do whatever it is. He's going to provide the resources, the, the, the opportunities, whatever it is. Um, and, and because God doesn't call us to things that we could do, we wouldn't need him. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, like, why would like, yeah. that's, just, I got like, this I, God. Uh, you know, um, and that's a lot of times what people do is God calls us to something. And we think, well, we try to figure it out. And and not to, not realizing we have to walk with him every step of the way, to to see kind of what he's what he's up to and what he's doing, and so, and that's what what happened, you know. And and we had to be we 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 say we stumbled forward, and we're still stumbling forward. We're figuring things out, um, and and that's been my walk with God. Right? It's like as soon as I think I got something figured out, God. It's like, okay, now do this. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. You know? Yeah. And he's like, that's okay. I got you. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just one thing after another where not that God doesn't want us to learn, but he's, or, or be good at something, but he wants the, he wants the testimony to be that he did it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because that's going to call people to him instead of calling people to me and my expertise and my intelligence or my abilities. Um, it's not, it was never about my ability in the first place. He mm. wouldn't have had to die if it yeah. was about my ability. Yeah. And absolutely. he wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have sent the Holy spirit if it was about my ability. Mm. Um, and, and the new Testament is very clear on this. Like yeah. stop trusting in you, like trust yeah. in him for all of these things. 
And so, so that's, so that's where we are. And, and we really feel, like I said before, that, you know, being around the Christian culture for a long time, people sometimes come up, do a business, but because it's a Christian business, it's not always the top quality, right? Um, because, sure. you know, I'll oh, just do it because we're Christians. And so we wanted to make sure that we had the top quality. We call it wedding feast coffee because mm-hmm. Jesus could have got away with having, you know, the making Cheapest the worst crap. wine. Yeah. He, because yeah, they were, sure. everybody was buzzed at the end of a week of, yeah. you know, partying mm-hmm. or whatever, however long it was. And, and they commented like most people do this because they would get away with it, but you didn't. Right. You yeah. made the best. And, and that's just the character of God, man. He, Amen. he always saves the best for last. Whatever's mm-hmm. next is better. Yeah. And, that's so good. And that's because it's about hope and it's about the kingdom and, and that's who he is. And so, so that's kind of the story in a, in a nutshell, but yeah. you know, we, we, when we, so wait we, real quick, is it, ahead. is it, is it Phoenix roasters? The idea of, you know, up from the ashes kind of thing. Right. Are you, or are y'all like big Charles Barkley fans or like, no. what's the, uh, what's the uh, deal I mean, I kind of like Charles Barkley, but so, yeah. So, uh, so it's, the original name of the church was Phoenix Community of Atlanta. Gotcha. Okay. And the idea was, yes, to to help people rise from the ashes of life. Mm-hmm. And we call them the Phoenix people, the, you know, the addicted, the, uh, you know, the homeless, the, you know, all, the, yeah. the, the people who yeah. need to rise from the ashes of life, the marginalized and the rejected. And, and then when we started a coffee company, we called it, you know, Phoenix Roasters and which can be a branding issue at times because people are like, Oh, you're from Phoenix. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. we're actually from Atlanta, which is interesting <laughs> because the, uh, the, the, the bird, whatever symbolic bird of Atlanta is a Phoenix actually. Really? When we, well, we learned dope. that later, because you know, Atlanta's burned down twice mm. and been rebuilt. And wow. so, um, so anyway, so that's cool. Yeah how that worked out <laughs> but yeah man i love what you're saying that that's a re- that's a real thing like god calls us to something that really is impossible because he doesn't like to do things that are that are easy i mean they're easy for him but they're not easy for yeah. us because we need to depend on him and that's the whole point so he calls us to something impossible but then so often we reinterpret that in our own brain to what we could do in our strength. And as you said that, you know, using that terminology, figuring it out. So how do I take what God is calling me to and then figure it out on my own? Because, you know, it's like God will call us in order for us to be called by God to do something. That means that you have to hear from God, right? That means that you have to hear his voice on some level. Amen. So, but it might be because God speaks in so many different ways. So it might be this thing that happens over a period of time or maybe you even just kind of grow up with this knowing, this sense of this is what I'm supposed to do. And I believe that God speaks to us on that level. I also believe that he can interrupt our thoughts and speak to us. Like right now, as we're sitting here having a conversation, he could speak to me about something and I could just, oh, let me make a note of that, God, and and, and write it down as something to go back to later. He can give me a vision, a dream, anything like that. And so Amen. I think that sometimes God will even use as something as simple as our own desires, you know, these desires that we have deep within us that I think is often a good place to start when you start 
you know, for someone that maybe is a little bit confused about what they're supposed to do with their life or something like that. But anyway, so often God will call us to something again, which means that he's speaking to us in one way or another, but then we'll get confused about the details. And maybe it's because we don't have a theology or that's, that says that God can speak to me about real specific things, Mm. or maybe we don't trust our ability to hear God clearly or whatever we do. And then, so we start to think that we need to figure it out on our own, make these pieces fit together. So we end up taking something from God that is by definition, supernatural. (laughs) And then we naturalize it to kind of fit into our way of thinking so that it becomes something that we can accomplish. And we can get to a certain level of success when we do that based on our personality or based on our skill set or whatever, but it's never going to be as good as it could be if we were to just kind of go all in and allow God to really be the one who's driving the thing and directing our steps because his ideas are so much bigger and higher than ours. We'll constantly belittle and downgrade things that God wants to do on such a bigger scale, like the saving the best wine for last at the wedding feast when he could have easily given them, you know, some junk and they wouldn't have even known the difference. Right. You know? Well, here's what God wants. And and I, and I think part of it, all of all that you said is, is true. And part of it is our misunderstanding of what God wants. I think a lot of times mm-hmm. we think when God calls us to something, he just, he just, he sends us out to do something. Like, it's just like, because we talk about obedience and it's always about obedience. And I totally agree. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like we think God says as a dad, hey, go go change the oil in the car. But when God calls us, that's not what he's saying. Mm. What God is saying is let's go change the oil together. Dude, come on. Love it. And, and, and do you see the difference? Right. Yeah. And, and, and we all yeah. we we all do this. We think, oh, well, God wants me to have a great marriage. Let me go figure out how to have a great marriage. And God's like, no, let's you and I figure out how to have a great marriage together. Let's mm. let's walk through this process together. Because if I'm teaching my son how to change the oil, I don't give him a list of things to do and send him out to do it. I, I, I send him out there or I go out there with him. I say, okay, the, here's the tool here, and here's what you use and here's how you use it. And watch me. Now you do it. Mm, and 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 there yeah. and it's always relational and because it because god there are two things that we want more than anything intimacy and purpose mm. people long for two things more than anything else intimacy and purpose now depending on our personality we seek one or the other generally from god <laughs> we want the intimacy or we want the we want to do something like depending on our personality right and and what yeah, we think man. our talent is but we all long for both and what we have in the new covenant is both what we have in the new covenant in 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 the great commission lo i am with you always even unto the yes. end of the earth now yes. go and make disciples like there's intimacy there's purpose there's there's never one without the other with god and we yeah. try to we we try to separate them sometimes you know, and again, it it doesn't always depend upon our personality, but a lot of times we're like, oh, well, God loves me and I just feel his presence and I just love that. It's like, well, what's he called you to do? Well, I just, you know, I do my own thing and I just feel God, you know, whatever you get that sort of side. And you yeah. get the other people who are like, man, you know, I'm just going to do what, you know, I'm going to do what I think is good. And I just, and I, you know, and I, 
you know, and I have purpose and then they, and then they get burnt out or, or whatever. Like there's, we can get too much on one side or the other and not realizing that God wants them together. And God wants to play with us as a dad, for sure, for God sure. wants to kingdom play, play in the kingdom, not play on earth, like in a worldly sense, but he wants to say, man, let's have fun. Why don't you heal that mm. guy? Why don't we, why don't you pray for a million dollars or what? I mean, like his, his ideas are big, <laughs> right? Because he's playing yeah. with us. He, he's like, watch me, let yeah. me show off with you. Let's show off together because that's, those are the kind of things that, that make the world stand up and take notice in, in both, in both ways. Yeah. And like, I don't know if I said this one, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, but part of me writing the book as I did, uh, because when I wrote the book, we gave our testimony about what God did with the church and, and missions and, and the coffee and how he led and all these amazing ways and supernaturally. But at the end of the chapters, I was like, look, not everyone is called to plant a church sure. or start a missions organization or start a coffee company, right? Not everybody's called to do that, but we are all called to do something. And, and so how do we work in that? How do we, how do we go forward in that? And, and the reason why that's so important to me is because you and I are both church planners and I have no problem church planning, right? God's mm -hmm. called me to it, but you know what God really wants? You know, you, you know, what's really going to change our culture is people living their purpose out in the world where people can see it. That's yeah. really what's going to change the hearts. And for you and I, or any you know, Christian leader, that's what we have to try to get people into. We have to try to get people into their calling and, you know, make your calling and election sure. How do you, what do you mean mm. you make it sure? How do you make it confident and sure like this is you yeah, gotta man. walk with god yeah and, and you yeah. and that's and and to me there's so much joy in looking at it that way because what he's really inviting us to when he calls us to something isn't work that's right it's it, it is work you will right. have to work hard work. <laughs> you will have to work and it's not always fun in sure. the sense of like, sometimes there are days on end of just, you know, drudgery of, okay, I know God's called me to this. But when we know God's called us to this, and it's not something I manufactured, it's not something I decided, then we can have joy in the midst of even the drudgery of whatever he's called mm. us to, because we know, hey, God's, there's going to be a reward for this. And, and, and God doesn't, he doesn't waste anything. The kingdom wastes nothing. nothing. And so, so we know when we're in that, we have that intimacy and purpose that God can take fishes and loaves. He can take two pennies. He can take anything and, and do something supernatural yes. and miraculous yes. with it. And, but again, but you have to be walking with him. You have to be in that yeah. sort of constant communication like Jesus was. I only do that, what I see my father do. I only say what I yeah. hear him say. That childlike wonder, mm. that that ability to just be like a child and to trust God like that and to look at our circumstances, even the the stuff that's hard and that we don't understand as like that next adventure that we're on with him. Our lives would be so much different if we could learn how to see things from that perspective, mm -hmm. because so often I think that we challenges come our way. And we get flustered by them or we get angry or we get frustrated or we or whatever. And so now we're on the defensive 
and trying to figure out how to get our way through that thing. And then hopefully at some point we come back and we, you know, talk to God about it or whatever. <laughs> but like, but we tend to do this thing where we come at things from a defensive perspective. Mm. Whereas like, what if we could look at the conflicts and the challenges that come our way and then attack those things from the, the, the standpoint of our relationship with God. And, and I just think that there's so much that he can bring through that. Like if we could maintain that childlike on wonder of who God is, we don't have to live in that place of like, Oh God, now I got another thing. Uh, it's just another thing. It's just another, if it's not one thing, it's another, like I've got another thing on my plate. I got to figure out now. And that becomes really overwhelming because we're, you know, we, we don't know how to do it in our own strength, but, when we maintain that walk with him, I just think that we can enjoy life so much more, even when it's difficult, even when it's challenging. Because as you said, I, I love the imagery there of like, okay, go out and do this. It's like, okay, great. And then we think the way that we take that in our mind is we take that as God called me to do this, so I'm doing it. Right. But as you said, it's not this one time thing where God speaks. He's going to continue to speak. He's going to continue to give you more revelation and, and you're going to see that thing unfold and he's going to continue to share his heart with you on it. He's going to make it more clear as you go forward. But it's also it's all about I love how you said that, that it's it's always relationship, that everything with God is relational. It's, it's always everything. living in that moment with God. It's, it's, it's never a moment where we have to separate those two things. It's all no. it's all 100 percent relational all the time. And um, yeah, man, I, I think we're we're brothers like I <laughs> well, just listen to you talking. Well, I'm like, I can't believe I just met this guy like we should have been talking for years. Right. Let me, well, you know, we can thank Tina. Tina, by the way, is just so amazing in so many Shout ways. Shout out to Tina Yeager. Shout out to Yeager, Tina Yeager. Sorry, Yeager, right? I Yeager, said it right. yeah. Okay, I was right. Yeah. She's so amazing in so many ways. But she, yeah. um, but uh, just a couple examples of, of what I'm talking about. See, again, we are meant to be holy. Be holy as I am holy, says God. Mm -hmm. Now, if God says, go start a coffee company and I go and do it in my own strength, I'm not holy because what yeah. holy means is set apart. <clears throat> what holy means is you look different than everybody else. And here's why, because he says, because I am holy. Yeah. 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 And here's why, because God's different from any other God. Mm -hmm. He's different. So following him is going to make us look different. And so, and so here's, here's just some practical examples of something that's happened with us where you can say, oh, like it, it's going to look different. If you're following God and you're listening to him and you're like, okay, God, like you're saying there, here's a challenge. What's the opportunity here? What can we do here? Mm. What's because, because when you start thinking kingdom, you start thinking, well, I have limited, I have unlimited resources available to me, God. Yeah. What, what would you like me to do? And it's that obedience that activates those those resources kind of like when Jesus, you know, Jesus and Peter were, were challenged by the, uh, I think it was a priest or somebody who was like, Hey, we need the temple tax. And Jesus is like, fine, <laughs> go catch a fish. And he comes back and you know, okay, look in his mouth. And it was the exact, you know, like you have, but it was Peter's obedience. Yeah. That, that kind of gave access to all those resources. Like, Right. You, you think two coins is a big deal to me? Like you're making it a big deal to me. My my dad owns everything. 
Yeah. And so it's just here are just a couple stories to kind of go along with that, that some a couple of that are my favorite. And one of them is is from what happened recently uh, during the COVID, during COVID lockdown stuff. We we lost probably eighty to one hundred thousand dollars in business within a day. OK, now we are a small coffee company. We are so, not so pocket change, right? Yeah, pocket change. And and a, a big part of our our business is catering. Okay. Mm. So yeah. when everything shuts down and all of these events were canceled, well, wow. and that's not even counting the events we didn't get six or eight months out. You're saying we're, you know, just the ones that were on the books and, and we were going to do, we lost 60, 80, hundred thousand dollars worth of business in a day. Mm. Boom. Well, and like, how are we going to sell coffee? Coffee, generally speaking, is not a, it's not a, and it's not an intentional buy. It's a, it's a spontaneous buy purchase, right? You're in Dunkin' Donuts, you're in Starbucks, you're in the store and you see it, you're like, oh, we need coffee. Um, but COVID changed a lot of that and we can get to that, but at the at, in the moment, it was a challenge. What are we going to do? We're going to have to apply mm. for the PPE stuff. We're going to do all this stuff. What are we going to do? And and we're losing money. And at least we don't have access. And we don't know when this is how long this is going to last. Mm. And it's a major part of our business that we're not going to have anything to you know to do. And oh, and churches, by the way, are another big part of our our company is churches sell, serving our coffee is another way that that's one of the main ways we make money and all those churches shut down. So we're like, what are we going to do? Well, and we had a meeting about it, you know, cause that's what you do. You have meetings and we had a meeting about it, which is important. We, we should have had a meeting, but all that to say is we, we sat there and, you know, we're given the kind of state of the union sort of thing. And in the midst of it all, God showed me something. Because in the midst of it all, what we chose to do was to be generous. In the midst of it, well, we served free coffee at hospitals. We served free coffee. We, we took our truck out places. Now, we, we worked our butts off to try to sell coffee just on our website and stuff like that. But at the same time, we were generous. And a couple months into the the COVID lockdowns, we were looking, we were like, you know, not even counting what we whatever we got from the PPE and the government, the stimulus and all that stuff, not counting any of that. We're almost at the same spot we were this year as we were last year. Wow. How are we making as much money? And God told me, he said, because you're choosing to be generous mm. because you could have, you, you, you could have kind of got ice more isolated and said, no, 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 no. We gotta, gotta be strict and stingy. And yeah, but no, what you, what yeah. you chose to do was to go out and take opportunities of people you were connected with or whatever it was and give and, and, and do that. And then, and, and because of that, God, I believe opened up doors for some amazing things that we had access to, but a, a, another great example but but that's being different from the world. That's my point. That's being different yeah. from how yeah. the world would think. When you have an unlimited mindset of a kingdom mindset, like Paul said, own, owning nothing yet possessing everything. Mm. 
That's what Paul says. He says, in other words, we don't have any money. We don't have anything. But we know we possess all things because of who our dad is. We know we know we have access to unlimited resources mm. and and how Good. do you live that way and it, it's not you you don't test god with it like okay god i'm going to buy a porsche today and just you know but it's it's still following him and listening to him like we've been talking about and another thing that happened is we have a so we have nitro coffee i'm not going to explain all what nitro coffee is but nitro coffee is sounds awesome it is awesome and and we are on the forefront of this special way to make coffee basically it's nitrogen infused cold brew coffee so it tastes great and it comes out of a keg and out of a you know like it looks like beer coming out but it's not beer it's coffee and it just looks great and it's awesome Mm. and it's cool and people love it and it's got three times the amount of caffeine and you know it's just you know it's just all of that right and but part of our story is that god gave us a very unique technology to infuse the nitrogen coffee but because so, and we actually have a patent. We're the only company in the U.S. that has a patent on nitro technology. Really? We are not Starbucks. We are not any. We're not anybody compared to anybody, right? We are very small. But somehow we have a patent on wow. this technology. And what that's done is that it's allowed us to make some connections with larger equipment companies for coffee. Right? That is awesome. Hey, real and, quick, and, yeah. Just, uh, and you don't need to go into a lot of detail. I'm just curious. Did you secure the patent in a traditional way or did you know somebody that helped you get it or did you write it yourself? <laughs> like, how did you do that? Okay. So, uh, what had happened was, is we were <laughs> somebody in our church worked with a larger company and he worked in patents. He worked in that. And so he offered to help us write the patent and then that's so cool. And then we, um, and then we submitted it to the government and got it right. That's Um, so cool. It's like a year long process. I mean, it's not short, it's not easy. And it's, but so we have this patent, go ahead. That pro that process breaks a lot of businesses. I mean, a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot of people wait for some, for that. And it's, they, they end up losing, you know, putting so much money into it. Oh, right. Attorney fees and oh, sometimes yes. they never get it or it takes forever. That's why I was like really curious about that. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's favor. Awesome. I mean, Absolutely. like our, there's so much favor over. And, but we but we but it's not perfect. You know, mm-hmm. like we struggle our way through a lot of times and have to trust. And one like just like we did with COVID. And one of the other things that happened, this was before COVID, was so because we had the patent basically we did have to start hiring lawyers because sure. because it is so unique the copy business as cool as they want to be there's a lot of cutthroat stuff that goes on in the copy business and we have tried to be different but we have to protect you know intellectual property and or not intellectual sure. property but all that stuff and so we had this agreement uh licensing agreement with a larger company and another large company we found out they were stealing our technology without paying us and we're and i'm talking like a, a someone who's large like they're a very large mm. company uh, and they're they're they are an equipment company and the lawyers when we you know when our ceo and every our owners and everybody and then we're talking to the lawyers the owner the, the lawyers are like man we could get millions out of this 
Like we get so much sue them for everything that you know, just you know. Yeah. And <laughs> their the lawyers, lawyers are seeing this are, are, are seeing dollar signs. Mm -hmm. And Brian, Brian Holland, the CEO, he said, before we do that, let's invite them up here and have a meeting. Let's tell them who wow. we are. Wow. So these non-Christian big business people, their their CEO and their presidents, and they're like all their like they came to our little podunk roastery in the middle of nowhere, not nowhere, but in suburban Georgia, sure. Atlanta, and sat down and we told them who we are and what we do. We told them our story. Hmm. And and we said, and they said, okay, well, why why are you telling us this and why are we here? And we said, and we, you know, basically like, here's what we want. If you want to use our technology, this is a, an agreement that we can work out where you can license our technology. And by doing that, you're helping us do all of this good that we do hmm. all around the world. This is who we are. This is what we do. And, you know, we're... We, we pay our farmers because we don't do fair trade. We pay our farmers 10 to 20 times more than they were getting before because we do direct trade. And these are Jesus loving farmers who are sending missionaries and they are planting churches mm -hmm. or they're doing all sorts of amazing things. And, and they're growing some of the best coffee in the world and they own this land and this is their business. And, and they pass on the savings down to not the savings, but the extra money down to their workers and, and gives their community a more stable community because the men don't have to go to other places and work for somewhere else for a year and make money, you know, whatever. Well, so it, it, there's a lot to it. Um, and, and the CEO of, of this company, he got it. He goes, well, you've given us a lot of stuff to think about. And I really appreciate you inviting us out here. Like they flew in, like, it wasn't just like a, like they yeah. were down the street. And, and, uh, and they, as they were walking out, he turned around and he said, he turned around to his, not his assistant, but one of the other big, the big guys, like the guy was under him. He goes, whatever they're asking for, give it to them. Whatever they're asking wow. for, give it to them. <laughs> now they went with us now. So what we did next is we said, we said, Hey, why don't you go down with us on a mission trip to the farm and see what, see what this art, what we do. Hmm. Not just take our word for it. Why don't you go down there with us? And my point is, is this is different than any other, other company that I would ever know to do anything. Yeah. And again, the, the guy could have said, screw you guys. We'll, we're lawyering up. You know, we'll see you in court. I mean, he could have totally said that. But, but for Brian, it was important that relationships are everything. Let's, be, let's try to be friends first. Hmm. Let's yeah. let them know what's happening here, that they're not just taking advantage of some little coffee company, which is bad enough, but they're also taking advantage of some little coffee company that's doing a lot of good. Yeah. And, and, and there, we are different. We're not your normal company and we're going to mm. show them. That's right. So cool. So these are just practical examples of how yeah. we can, we can, we can do business and, and part of what's important to me is I think this is the future, I believe, uh, this is the future of church in America, is that we have to stop relying only upon the giving on Sundays. 
Mm. We, we, we have to activate, like I said, we have to activate the talents, the entrepreneurial and the business talents in our churches. Yes. It doesn't have to be the pastor, but there are people in our churches who want yes. to do things for the kingdom. They want to do these yeah. kind of things. They are called to do these kind of things, and we have to find them and activate them and do things in partnership with them. Yeah. Because they want to fund that money into the kingdom. They want to fund that money into church. And but we're gonna have to do these things in partnership with the with the people in our churches and the people in our community. Because here's what's awesome about this. I can have a conversation with somebody about coffee. And even though I'm a church planter, I can have a conversation about with somebody about coffee. And they end up asking me about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because when I start telling them what that we have high quality coffee and the good that it does, and we start going through all this stuff and they go, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. You say, yeah. And these people, and they, and they send missionaries and we feed the hungry and we, you know, dignified relief and we send kids to school and scholarships and we do all this stuff. Yada, 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 yada. Wait, is this a Jesus thing? Yeah. 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 yeah we love Jesus. Wow. Like they're the ones who bring it up. Yeah. Because yeah. the because our our lives showed something different, mm. and you know there's a, there's a scripture that where Paul I think it's to Timothy right where he says always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Mm. I'm, I may be somewhat off the wording, but here's the thing: people have to see your hope if they're going to ask you about it. Yes, yes. Like, this isn't you just go out and tell people you have hope. This is be ready when they ask. Because if you're living a certain way, they're going to ask. You know, they are going to be involved and want yeah. to know, um, why are you doing things differently? Why is this different? And, and, then, and, then, and then what they do is they end up asking me, well, where do you go to church? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, I'm not really interested in church, but. I like this. You know, when we step into our assignment and the calling that God has placed on our life, and as you were saying, it's not about being a pastor. It's not about being a missionary. It's not about any of that. It might be that mm. for you or for somebody, but it's not that for everybody. We all have a unique expression of God on our lives based on what he's called us to do. And he knows that perfectly. I, I love what God says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one. It's sort of verses four and five, where it's God calling Jeremiah when he's young. And he tells him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew mm -hmm. you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I love the fact that it says before you were born, I knew you. That you existed in God's mind and in God's heart. He knew you perfectly. He knew everything about you. And yeah. based on what he knew about you, he formed you. You know, yeah. and that word know there is that word, that that Hebrew word yada, which is that experiential, intimate kind of a knowledge. It's the right. same word that's used, you know, Adam knew his wife and, and right. she conceived. It's that coming together where two become one. It's that type of knowledge that goes beyond just, oh, yeah, I know about that guy. It's personal. It's intimate. It's intricately yeah. involved in, in, the, in your life. And all of that started with God. He knew you and based on what he knew about you. So it was like you existed in his mind before you ever came into being. He already knew you. And based on what he knew about you, he formed you. That word formed is like the 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 it's like a pottery term you know it's it's molding into shape to to fashion into shape and if you think about pottery it's like 
in in a very delicate process right it's not just something you do haphazardly yeah. it could all be going great and then you just put a little bit too much pressure and the whole thing collapses you know what i mean yeah. and it's like god designed us with that much depth and right. that much desire and that much love and so you are who you are because god made you that way and you have the calling on your life and the destiny that god has placed on your life you have that that exists because God formed you and made you that way based on what he knew about you. And it, it's just so cool how when we follow God's plan for our life, not trying to be like somebody else, not doing what we think we're supposed to do because it's our Christian duty or whatever, but really getting God's heart and understanding who he made us to be and what he designed us for. There's such a unique expression of God for every single person, whether it's ministry, business, whether it's a trade or a craft or whatever yeah. it is but it's god you know it's mm. it's god's hand it's god's fingerprint on our lives and based on that there's so much creativity within it and so the reason i'm saying all this brit is because i i love and and i and i thank you for taking us a little bit down the journey of how phoenix roasters was was started and some of the intricacies and and the involvement of god throughout the process where it wasn't just us God says start a coffee company. Okay, well, this is what you do when you start a coffee company. Let me look at Starbucks. Let me look at what these other companies did and do it that way. No, God has a unique expression for you. And when you yep. follow God's plan for your life, it's amazing how he can take you to do some really amazing things. Yeah, um, just yeah. That, that's great. You know, you talked about from Jeremiah and in, in Ephesians, he says, for you are saved by grace through faith and not of yourself so that no one can boast you know yeah. not by works and then the next sentence says but you were saved for good works mm. so yeah. you weren't saved by them yes but you were saved for them you were saved for good works that god prepared in advance for you to do you see david wasn't with the sheep going man i really want to be king one day Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. Jeremiah wasn't a kid going, man, I, you know what? I deserve to be a prophet. Like, like when God calls you, you are discovering something that preexisted about you. Like you're saying you're, you're, you are discovering something that preexisted. And here's what a lot of us do. And when we come to God, we come to God and we think, well, th God, this is the kind of life I want to have. So I'm going to come to you. So you'll give it to me. Mm, and God's like, yeah. no, man, I already got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need your yeah. plan. Like your well, hold plan. Up, God. Hold up, God. Let me, let me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me help you out, God. This is what I'm good at. This is what right. I like to do. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so part of the, the joy and the adventure is finding out and discovering what that call is. Now it might look like what you've been doing. It might be associated with what you've been doing your mm -hmm. whole life like it you you can see maybe where god had prepared you for this thing but by and large it's not going to be something you've ever thought of before and like you said which is really important it's going to be creative it's going to be creative it's going to be different it's going to be a little different it's going to be a little creative and creativity is part of what gives people hope mm. you see if if things happen the way we all expect them to happen and they happen because we kind of manufacture it, that get that gives nobody hope. Nobody gets hope in that because we know how limited we are. We know how 
corrupt we are on the inside. I mean, we, we may play a good game on the outside, but we know what we think about. And we, we, we know what we think about when no one's thinking or no one can hear us. And, you know, we know how we really feel about people, right? Yeah. We know how dark it is. And, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where when, when we see somebody live a creative life that they've discovered by walking with this God who loves them and wants to play with them and wants to take them on an adventure. And yeah, it's hard and there's battles and you want to quit. Sometimes you're going to want to quit. That's, that is a, that is a promise of scripture. You will want to quit. That's in every that you've ever watched. They're going you know, about two thirds of the way in the movie, about 20 minutes to the end, they're going to want to quit. Uh, so that's just part of life. But when we push past that in trust and, and we're on this adventure, it, it looks like nothing. We, we overcome these things mm. and, and we have a story to tell. And my story is different than your story, but the core of it is the same that God did this for me. And, you know, they overcame, it says in revelation by the blood of the lamb again, pre-existed to me. I didn't do this. Right. And the word of their testimony, mm-hmm. it wasn't just that they talked about the gospels, which we should, and we have, but we should give our testimony. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's not just something that happened 2000 years ago. God is still changing people's lives. Yeah. God is still doing this stuff. God is still healing. He's still taking people on adventures. He's still playing with people in the sandbox of the kingdom. He's still doing this stuff. And this is what we want. And, and and we long for this. We long for the intimacy and the purpose. We long for the creativity. That's why we pay big bucks to watch Spider-Man on the big screen is because we there's something in us that gets that. It's like, man, I wish I had that sort of life. And then we go back mm. to doing laundry and we, you know, uh, and not that that's not part of it, too. Right. I'm sure Spider-Man does laundry. But uh, but we want those sort of <laughs> chili <stories. now. laughs> Um, We want like those sort of stories. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's where God wants to take us. God wants to take us on those sort of stories that are, that are stories of adventure and mm. mystery and surprise and sorrow and yeah. joy. And, and, and it's dramatic and, and we don't know how, what the next thing's going to take, you know, uh, but we know, but it's with him. Behold, yes. I'm with yes. you always, even yes. unto the ends of the earth, uh, the ends of the age. Like there's not going to be a moment I'm not with you. And and we have to get and that's another thing we have to get out of. It's a prepositional thing. We have to get out of doing things for God and start doing things with him, with him, because that's that's what he has called us to do is called us not to do it for him because he doesn't need me. <laughs> he wants me. He wants me to be his ambassador on the earth. And he wants me, he wants to give that to me. And he wants to show his glory. Like you said before, you know, when we prayed before the podcast, he'll show his glory through these weird stories of, well, God told me to start a business during a recession, right? And I'm like, well, that sounds stupid, but look mm. what it's, look what's happened and every step of the way. Um, and that's, and, and, and he wants us to have those stories. And a lot of us do. But if we if he, God calls us to do something and then we do it in our own strength, then we won't we won't have those stories. Yeah. You know, it might be good. But as my mentor said, and he probably wasn't the first, he said, the good is the enemy of the best. Just go for the best, man. Just go for the best. And that is walking with him and doing what he says. It's that simple. Mm. So. That's great, man. 
Whew. That's a that's that's a really great place to end this conversation. But I got to be honest with you, I have a couple more questions for you. Okay, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> that just would have been like a really nice, well-rounded way to. to <laughs> you, you did it. You did it so well. Um, but I'm just really curious, man. So, and and I'm getting back to some technical stuff. Um, and uh, and and just because I think that it's that that it's important. Um, I, you mentioned something in your business about about ethical farming practices, right? I know that's right. like a big part of who you guys are and what you do. First right. of all, um, where do you guys source your coffee from? Okay, so part of that story, by the way, is God had to smack us upside the head for that too. Yeah, that's, right. That's like we fun. like we we had the original plan of. Well, well, we need coffee beans and we were having trouble getting coffee beans. And so we were going to go down into Central America and buy a coffee farm. Mm. And somebody, we talked with somebody about that and we're getting some information about how we could do that. And this person who was, you know, white and American, but who had spent a lot of time in Central America said, okay, let me get this straight. You're going to go down and buy family land away from people and X and then grow and export their number one resource mm. well not when you put We're it like, like that you put it like that yeah <laughs> right and they and for and the kingdom said, let's do it well what else is there and he said well what if i told you there are already jesus loving farmers growing the best coffee in central america and I said, well that sounds great how do we and, and if you would give them a good price then then you you would have the best coffee in america and so that started another journey where we went down. And so we are, our sources are our first main source and are still our main source. Although we're, we're having problems with the supply chain right now, getting our, getting the recent harvest is Panama. So that was first. Um, mm. And the, the, the Caballero family down in Panama, and they have some amazing say yes stories of their own. And we also, second was Guatemala. So we have Guatemalan coffee. And then we also have Honduran coffee and we kind of mix in here and there. We've gotten some Ethiopian and Mexican and Nicaraguan at times, but those aren't consistent. Mm -hmm. And when, and when, when we use farmers, we have, we have, we vet in a couple different ways. The first thing is you have to be Jesus loving farmers because we're going to do direct trade. You see fair trade is not necessarily fair trade because the statistics are that the farmers don't see fair trade. Sure. The farmers see 25 cents a pound. Sure. And, and so the fact that we do direct trade, then these farmers are getting sometimes depending on what they had before 10 to 20 times more. So if we're going to like, just think about what you would do with in your life with, 10 times more than you made last year, right? All of a sudden. So we want to make sure that these people are already generous, Jesus loving people who will, mm. who will do something generous with the money. And, and so, so it's not just a quick and easy. Yes. Like we have to go down there. We have to work with them. We have to see what they're doing. We have to test the, And the second thing is it has to be the best coffee in the world. Top 1% coffee in the world. Um, and then the third thing is it has to, meet our price because mm -hmm. you know there's a certain amount of price that's not good for us right so that's so those three those are the three main ones P panama guatemala and honduras mm. dude it's so cool because you know what what you're what you're doing is 
you're, you're thinking about this from a kingdom perspective on, on every level that, that you can. Right. And thinking about how, you know, we, we don't want to just make some profit on this end and we don't want to just focus on, you know, making people's lives better by giving them delicious tasting coffee here on this end. We want to contribute to the enrichment of people's lives all the way from the very beginning, from the source, which is something that typically speaking, American business is horrible at because right. we look at the biggest companies in the world and I'm not going to, uh, I don't, I'm not good. Well, I might mention one by name because it, it I think it, it's very, it relates very closely to what you're talking about. But, uh, you know, we look at uh, the biggest companies in this country and what do we see? We see, oh, so much of the, of, you know, we, we love our phones, our, our Android phones and our iPhones and stuff like that. But there's so much that goes into the mining right. of the metals that are needed right. to produce the batteries and that are needed to produce the the way that the screens function and stuff like that where there's people workers all over the world that that are being exploited that are not receiving fair wages there are people being exploited all over the world so that american businesses and of course it happens in other countries as well but we live here that so that they can turn larger profits and I love the fact that you're coming at it like from a counter cultural sort of a standpoint in, in a lot of ways yeah. where you're like, nope, we're not going to do this the way that it's been. The, the path has been laid out for us by other companies that are that are you know profitable in this. We're going to think about this from a kingdom minded perspective, get God's heart for this. And it's very, very cool to see that even as you said, you're the farmers that are working with you guys that they receive higher wages than they normally would and yet yep. your your business is working it's functioning and you're you know still turning it's, profits and all yeah, of that because god's in it yeah it's growing and uh so I, I call it redemptive trade Love so uh, and and the reason why i call it some people have called it in the past uh kingdom trade but i, I call it redemptive trade even though i like to talk about the kingdom all the time but to me, it's about redeeming what is. What, mm. what do we have? And and like I said before, the the coffee industry is uh, there's so much corruption within it. And fair trade tried to address it, but you know, coffee is traded six or seven times between the farm and whoever gets it in, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, right? It's and so. You can say it's fair trade, but who gets that fair trade? There's all these middlemen and middle people who who are involved in the transactions. And and so but you can't hide in relationships. So it's still all about relationship. So the reason why we believe in direct trade and I call it redemptive trade is because we can go down and say, OK, so we know how much we're giving you and and we're going to come down. And how is this affecting the community and the, and the town around your farm and the workers mm. and the families, how yeah. is this affecting them? Because we don't, like you're saying, like we're thinking other levels beyond just the initial purchase because it matters. And, and, but the only way to do that is to go get involved and have relationships. So I was, <laughs> excuse me. I went to the, <laughs> I went to the coffee is mission sort of like round table thing a couple years ago in boston and this was like right this was before covid so it was a few years ago now but mm -hmm. <laughs> and there and 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 these are some bigger name companies that if i said the names of the companies christian coffee companies are more you know 
more do-good sort of coffee companies, but it was a Christian as mission sort of coffee as mission, Christian as, you know, Christian coffee little conference thing. They were Christians and they were like, okay, we know we're giving them good wages, but how do we know what they're doing with the money? Mm -hmm. And I raised my hand and I said, have you visited them? Mm. And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, how else are you going to know? Like, like I've been brainwashed by how we do it, right? But it, it it's still so odd, even in Christian circles, to say, well, maybe you should go and be their friend. Maybe you should just go and get to know them. Mm. Like our farmers are are part of like like we know them. We go down there. We send mission trips down there. Like it's not something that it's just they're just these nameless people that we we get and you know money from and it's not just because we just want to say we do good we mm. we we care about these communities we yes. want these communities to thrive and be sustainable if you want to use that sort of like cool word but we want them to have living wages we call them living wages like like what is it going to take for them to just have a good life like just have to go to school to have you know good medication to to feel like they're being you know like they're surviving and and it's one of the things that we're proudest about you know and it's again it's totally god but and it's not something that you can put numbers on you know like we in churches love the numbers right 800 people got saved today and like we know we love the numbers but but you know in, in one of the small in one of the villages that we go down to in guatemala on a regular basis uh, last year, the year before, the first two people graduated from high school in the history of the village. Wow. Now, that didn't, that's not something that's a quick, that's not a quick fix, right? We, we gave scholarships because in Guatemala, like there, there is a village school that takes them to like sixth or eighth grade or whatever. But like if you want to go beyond like middle school, like you have to, you have to pay. It's like a private school thing. Mm. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's buses to like all this, it's far away and it's like all this stuff. And so, but our, our investment in that community over time, and we work very closely with the pastor there, Pastor Raphael, we do everything under his authority because we don't want to look like the white saviors. We want to, we, we, we want him Bro, to be the one giving on. out everything. And so cool. So there's a whole bunch of it that we could go into. That's probably another podcast just on the mission side of it. But we, but the fact that we are so proud of those two girls and their girls that became the first people ever in the village to graduate from high school. Think about the change of mentality that, that just now happened in that culture, in that one village. Mm. What was once impossible because it never happened. And even though you can say, you know, you could, well, I guess it's possible, maybe. But now it's a reality. Someone has yeah. actually done it from our village. And they have paved the way. And, and so there's just little stories like that, man, where it's like, but we won't, we wouldn't know that if we were just, you know, sitting here hundreds and thousands of miles away and not getting personally involved. Again, it's mm. always about relationship. God is about relationship. We have to, we have to take the initiative and make sure it's about relationship. Um, and, and that's why bureaucracies fail and all, and, and because it's not personal and, and it's personal to us. We know these people, like we know, we want them to thrive. And we know the kids in the village and we know the schools and we like, we, we, we know them. Um, 
and you know a lot of white people had shown up in that village before we were the only ones to come back and have relationship with them and not wow. give them money and wow. not give them candy but just sit with them and play with the kids and be with them and be their mm. friends treat them as equals um there's so much to it dude and but all of that to say is god led this yes. <laughs> like yeah. I, I mean I, if I haven't made it clear, like it wasn't like we decided, well, this would be really cool if we did missions like that, is that God corrected us along the way. Like, no, 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 you're not going to do it like everybody else. Mm. And that yeah. and that wouldn't have happened with something without something you said earlier. We have to be listening. I, as I go as I go on more and more, I realize discipleship is this simple: teach people how to hear from God and just simply do what He says. Wow. Yeah, man. That's discipleship. Now, mm -hmm. prayer and reading your Bible and serving in your community and going to church and being a part of a faith community, all of that is, there are disciplines a part of that. Worship and all that. But yeah. all of that has to be focused on one reality. I have to hear from God and, and have a commitment to do what he says. Mm. And, and and if we can get people to do that, man, we see, um, we see gifts come alive. I don't have to try to get you into a program to get your gift. If people are hearing from God and he's leading them, he wants their gift out in the world more than I yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to lead them there. Yeah. And I just get to have fun and watch it happen and go, man, I never would have thought you'd mm. do that, but that's so awesome that you're doing that. Like it's, and they see their joy and you get to celebrate people. And it's just, it's just an amazing thing. So but that, that's mm. kind of who we are as coffee. I don't know if that, if you have any other uh, questions, you said you had some other questions there, but uh, everything that you just said just resonates with my heart so much. I think that the white savior or mm. even, even the American savior sort right. of approach to, to missions, short-term missions uh, in particular yeah. is a, is a big problem. I don't Amen. think though that that means that we shouldn't do it because I think that it can still be really, really valuable. And there's yes. this thing that, you know, I've heard people say for years, and I mean, I've said it before, but just because I, I think that it's true, is that, well, you know, short-term mission trips, it's more for the mission team than it is for the people that you're going to minister to, because they always, you know, it's always like life-changing experiences. You get outside of your culture and, you know, it really is good for the, for the mission team to go. But I'm right. like, hold on, like if though, but that can't be our goal here. Like our goal in doing this can't just be to give them an experience that helps them get closer to Jesus. Like we've got to be able to impact the people that we're going to minister to, not Thank from you. a standpoint of, hey, like, we're these awesome people coming from um, coming from America. And so let us tell you about about, you know what I mean? Like, yes, because what the, the approach that you're taking, I think that it's so important is not coming from this standpoint of like, we're going to we're going to teach you everything and we're going to show. But coming from the standpoint of coming alongside people and getting right. involved in their culture and getting involved in their lives and getting involved in their family and setting up something where there's reoccurring relationship. Right. I think that that is the way, man, at, at least I, one of the ways, I, you know, what I, I mean, like, it, I don't I, think that I, there's any I other way agree. to do this. And, and here's something that I haven't said, I haven't made clear. We have learned because we, like I said before, we didn't know a lot about coffee. Mm -hmm. We stumbled forward in this. We have learned at least as much, if not more, from our farmers than we've taught them about coffee. Yeah. Like we, we go as learners. 
not just as, well, you know, we know about Jesus and let's tell you about Jesus. Like we go as learners, we go expecting that they have expertise and skills that we don't. And when, when you do that, what you find is that dignifies people because people aren't just a cause. People have mm. skills. They have, they have something. Jesus did it when it was Zacchaeus. Mm. He sees Zacchaeus. He goes, take me to your house and you're going to feed me. Like he literally dignifies him. Like yes. in, in the Jewish culture to go eat at a, at a sinner's house was a big deal, but he dignifies him and says, you're going to, you're going to give to me. I'm going to place you in a position where you get to give to me. Mm. And, but he didn't need Zacchaeus. What he was doing is he was, he was empowering him with, with reality. Here's reality. And, and what happens with people who are struggling and, and, poverty situations they feel so much like crap about themselves mm. that when you go in and you say hey man what do you do well oh well I, you know what are you dreaming like you start asking these yeah. questions and yeah. it's and it's not like let me solve everything for you yeah it's it's like what do you do well man you know can i you know i don't know if you've ever read when helping hurts or toxic charity when helping hurts is one of my favorites mm. but you know they he tells a story about where they would do that where they would go into a, a poor apartment complex, right? And instead of something to give, they would go around and knock on doors and say, what do you do well? And start paying them for it. What do you do well? Um, I don't know. People say I, not nothing. Well, it's not nothing. You do something well. Just <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. I, may, I make a mean chicken curry. If I give you $10, will you make me chicken curry? Like, like it's dignifying yeah skills i'm like no no you have a skill that has value in this life it's you you're not just a cause to us you're not just mm. something we can check off on on a board we want to have a relationship with you and again wow. this is something that god's had to teach us well wow. and but it and and for me who had spent time overseas in missions i had seen enough to know how important it was to get away from some of those western American religious mentalities mm. and to say it's, yeah. it, it can be very toxic to the people we say we're ministering to. Yeah. That, that not that we shouldn't minister to them, but how, like you said, that doesn't mean we stop. It means how do we do it different? How do, do we it do right. it in ways that, yeah, or that do it, do it with a kingdom focus, you know, kingdom focus. I love what you're doing and, and I love the focus. I love the the kingdom mindedness in what you're doing and um i just i'm just really appreciative i, I do have more questions i want to learn more i'm going to have you back on at some point because i, okay. I do want to go a little bit deeper but i just i think that focusing in on the heart of god for our lives and i i love the the subtitle of your book uh, the book again so that people can can uh, can uh, check it out the book is called Say Yes. And then the subtitle, I love how God-sized dreams take flight. And, you know, when you have, when you recognize that God has called you to something, again, whether it's business, ministry, whatever it is, um, just know that his His favor and his grace is upon that thing for mm. you to walk into that and to trust him through the process when it's difficult, mm. when it's challenging. As Britt said, when there's times where you want to quit, where you want to throw in the towel, but you just um, you go after it because you know that it's what God has called you to do, you know, yeah. and it's not relying on your own strength. It's not relying on your own resources, but it's relying on 
the goodness of God. It's relying on his grace and, and his favor through it. And, um, you know, I just think it's a beautiful story. I think that mm. it's an encouraging story for people that want to do something where they feel like it is a little bit outside the box or whatever. Right. Like God's so good at that. God's so good at doing oh. things in a unique Amen. way. And I love yeah. it. Amen, Vera. So. Well, I, I appreciate you. And we, we've had three amazing conversations so far. So I, I, I can't imagine we won't have some more in the future. I, I, I'd love to. I don't have any plans to go down to Mobile, but now I'm thinking, what, what could I do down in Mobile? But or you guys could always come up. I know you're, you're about to have a baby, so uh, you're going to be a little busy. But um, but, you know, we know people out in the Houston area in Texas. So mm. we're going to have to, you know, I'd, I'd love to, you know keep in touch and, and have more conversations. Definitely. Yeah, man. Uh, we haven't made it out to the Atlanta area in a while, but I, I used to go there quite a bit and it's just been a while since I've been in that area. But, uh, but yeah, it probably makes more sense for us to come to you because there's more stuff to do before you are. Yeah, there is more stuff to do <laughs> and lots um, of great coffee that we can give you. Yeah. Well, how do people get to this stuff, man? Just uh, I know I've got the website up there on the screen, uh, but yeah, just point people to a couple places. Um, we can. Uh, I do want to plug your podcast one more time, the Kingdom Over Coffee podcast. Yeah, and uh, it's available on Spotify and Apple, and you know all the major places where you can find podcasts. Uh, yeah. We've got Phoenix Roasters dot Coffee, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, man. What? Let's let's just uh, you you take it from there. <laughs> well, you know we we've got a great Instagram. Um, Emily Ryan is, is kind of in charge of our Instagram and she, she does a great job. So we've got a great Instagram. It's, you know, Phoenix Roasters and Phoenix Roasters Coffee is our Facebook. And so you can check us out on there and there's just, you know, those, those are kind of the main ways if you want to do the coffee, you know, for me as an author or whatever, just kind of with the podcast and everything, it's my name, you know, Britt Mooney, B-R-I-T-T Mooney. Mm. Uh, .com and we, we shared that in the last one but you know but really it's just you know whether you order it online or whether you talk, you know talk to your church i mean we have a lot of churches that have really have great testimonies of of how they've switched from other coffees <laughs> to us and how appreciative they are even though it might cost a little bit more um but there's a story and there's something kingdom that they're a part of when they're doing yeah. it. And, and God provides, you know, yeah. it's a, it, they might've seemed like a stretch at first, but you know, God, God always shows up and provides when they make that decision. Um, so, so yeah, those are, those are the main things. Awesome. Well, I just thought of my thought that I couldn't think of a minute ago. And oh, so okay. just to, just to wrap that, that part of the conversation up, you were talking about dignifying people oh, where right. they are. It's so important. And it's something that I think, man, that in so many ways, the the church or ministries or churches, I should say, have been so guilty of is not dignifying people where they are. And I've seen it over and over again that we can come at people with this idea that says, oh, well, because you're a Christian, you should give me this for free. Or because you're a Christian, this is your service from the Lord. I've seen ministries, I've seen ministers put that kind of condemnation, I just call it condemnation, just put that kind of stuff on people Mm. that says, well, this is your service to the Lord, so you should be willing to do it for free. This is your service to the Lord, so you should be willing to, you know, whatever. Like, this is for your body, for the body of Christ, or this is for the ministry, or this is for whatever. And like, 
if, if, if it comes from your heart and it's this desire that you want to give, you want to serve, you want to do something for free, that's awesome. And God right. honors that. And, and right. as you even said, you guys gave so much away for free in a season where it, it, there already wasn't enough to go around to begin with. And, you know, you see the hand of God come through that and it's awesome. But as people in the body of Christ, as people in the church, as ministers, as whatever it is that we're doing, I, I think that the kingdom way of doing it is so much better than, than that. It's not exploiting people. It's right. not getting over on people. It's not asking people to do more for less, but right. it's coming alongside of people, dignifying people where they are, honoring people where they are. And I think so often in practical life, that looks like being willing to pay for something <laughs> it looks like being willing to right. put your money where your mouth is so to speak and actually honor people because right. me honoring you is not just me saying the words oh i honor you brit thank you for being on the podcast brit i honor you thank you like that's right. awkward for me to do that real honor would be for me to uh put something in your hand or to reciprocate in some way uh because i'm showing honor i'm demonstrating it it's not just lip service and yeah. I think that that's an area of of just life, an area of dealing with people that I think um, we've been so guilty of. And I think that we need to get better at that, learning how to honor people, learning how to dignify people where they are. There's There's been this thing of, you know, it's this story that that that's been been told to me by somebody that I work really close with in ministry. He's like, you know, they took this team to to or it wasn't them, but there was this team in Africa and they're ministering to these people and they were they they got there and they decided to show these ladies that were working in the church, these ladies the proper way, the American way, the proper way that they should sweep the floor. Because oh, they had no. a different style. They had a different way of holding the broom and a different way of doing it. And so they decided to show them, no, that's not how you do it. This is the way you do it. Because I'm wow. an American and I come from a place that's more civilized. And so let me show you how it works. And they offended those people. Of course, they didn't say those words. But they offended those people and they lost their place of influence because of the way that they approached something as simple as that. Instead mm. of just getting down with them into the culture, you know, into the culture with them and saying, oh, you know, what? I've never done it that way. Like, why do you do it that way? And like, maybe you have something to teach me and not right. just me coming from this place where I think that I'm better than you or whatever. Right. Just getting down on the level of people where they are, meeting them where they're at, coming alongside and saying, you know what? We can go forward together as brothers and sisters. We can learn right. together. And I'm not just trying to fix you because I think that I'm better. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that that's ministry doesn't look like me trying to fix you ministry looks like me no. coming alongside you and you know fellowshipping with you you know what yeah. i mean yeah. yeah no one's ever been fixed into the kingdom come on no one's ever been lectured into the kingdom no one's ever been judged into the kingdom they've all been loved there mm. because that's the only way in yeah. <laughs> the only way in is love because yeah. that's who that's who god is he's not going to have it any other way amen and and that sometimes that means being honest and, and challenging people. I mean, that's, that can be love too. But, you know, it's it's like you're saying, it's Jesus came to be with us, Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't s sit up in the clouds and, and just tell us what to do. I mean, he yeah. came and lived and touched and touched lepers. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff. And it's like, man, you you know, that's all. What that's what the gospels are full of is him going out and being with people where they are 
and and dignifying them, dignifying their pain, but mm-hmm. also, you know, using that as a way to to just bring light and hope. And people want that, man. I was going to say this earlier. Like the reason why people are going to ask you about the hope is people are looking for it. Yes. That's why 100%. people are going to ask you because when they see it, it's going to, it makes a mark on them and, and they're yeah. going to, they're going to ask questions and you, you got to be ready. So, but no, man, yeah. I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm, I love what you guys are doing too with, with your church and a lot of the, and I know some of it, not really accidental maybe, but a lot of it's been sort of, you know, God leading you guys too down that sort of multi-ethnic church road. And I, and I think, man, you know, God's going to have a people who are going to look like heaven and that's what mm. he wants. And so whether that's business or church or mm. family, yeah. whatever that is, he, he's, he's going to, he's going to have them and he's got them. So I, I love what you guys are doing too, man. Amen. Oh, thank you, brother. Let's get out of here, man. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Love you all. Be blessed. See you next time. Peace out, guys.